Why is seeding so crucial to starting your influencer relationships right and building true advocacy? You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus podcast. And if you're not familiar with the format here at Keep Optimizing, well, each month we focus on a different marketing method, could be email or SEO or influencer marketing like we're doing this month. And each week I interview a different expert to explore the latest advice on making that marketing method work for you. This month we are indeed all about influencer marketing. We're going to be covering the latest strategies and tactics, plus we're going to have at least one curveball to get you all thinking. We're kicking it all off in this episode with a rundown of what's working right now to help you grow your influencer campaigns. We're going to meet today's awesome guest in a moment, but before we do, please check out our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the email and SMS marketing platform that helps you send messages like an e-commerce expert, even if you're just getting started. Create your free account at klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with influencer marketing expert, Cody Wittick. Cody started his influencer marketing journey brand side at Kalo, the creators of the Silicon Wedding Ring, spending three years growing it from nothing to work with a wide range of influencers, both in size and interest niche. He then took everything he learned there to co-found influencer marketing agency Kinship, who focus on building a community of influencers for their clients, not just the transactional elements. Hello, Cody. Hi, Chloe. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. Now, I gave people a little bit of how you got into influencer marketing, but how did you get into influencer marketing? Yeah, it's. Ex- I mean, it's exactly right. I I honestly didn't have much experience besides. Maybe being an athlete myself, um, playing college basketball, and then just being interested in sports, loving sport. And when I got that job at Kalo, I kind of got grandfathered in by the the co-founder himself and quickly was on the marketing team and learned under a few people and just saw how to build relationships, really saw the power of being able to get the product out to people of influence, whether they had significant following or not. And especially with something like a wedding ring. It was really powerful to see people um, rally around a product that was really meaningful to people. And so, yeah, just building relationships that way. And so, yeah, like you said, we I got to build because of the use case of a wedding ring being so wide ranging, pretty much anyone who's married and active for a brand got to work in a lot of different industries and with some pretty high level talent because that was kind of like the name of the game back in the day, or at least that's how I learned. But Made a lot of mistakes, um, learned from them, hopefully, and took them starting my own agency. So it's been quite the ride. And what led you to decide to to shift from working with a fun, exciting product and an amazing bunch of influencers to to enter the, the potential nightmare scenario? I have run a marketing agency <laughs> myself of going into that crazy land of, of running a marketing agency. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because honestly, I never really associated with the word like entrepreneur or business owner. I actually 
was kind of pitched the idea uh, of starting an agency with my with my now business partner. And I laughed in his face when he said, you should start an influence marketing agency. Um, it, and it wasn't so much as like, oh, that's so outlandish. But it was just like, I've never even thought of it myself. And it was more uncomfortability within my own kind of thought pattern. Mm-hmm. But as it just materialized, I, and granted, I was also already thinking of like leaving the brand at that time. There was a variety of factors. The brand was kind of on the downslopes in a little bit of ways. They've now been bought or they were sold in have new ownership now and uh, they're they're definitely on the come up um but yeah at that time i was kind of on the downslope i had been there four years and it was just something like you know do i go work for a stance socks do i go work for a nike like kind of a bigger brand with big influencers or do i kind of start my own thing and try to do this for a lot of different brands so that became much more attractive to me than just going to work at it, being another, like one of a thousand employees versus like trying to make more Kalos uh, stories, you know, this brand that kind of was put on the map because of influence marketing in a lot of ways and trying to do that for other brands. Hey, so well, look, one of the things that, that stood, it really stood out for me on your, on the Kinship website, and which I mentioned in the intro, so I'm going to have to ask you about it, is you talk about building, focusing on building a community of influencers, not just transactional influencer marketing. So what's that all about? Yeah, I mean, essentially, it's like our philosophy. Um, and it's what I learned at Kalo, which was build relationships on giving and not asking. And so much of the, the marketing place today within influencer marketing is very transactional as I give you my product or I pay you X and then you post. And we kind of both wipe our hands clean and say adios. But it's just, it begets to be a one-off drug. That's what I like to call it. Like you constantly have to be hitting the same thing or get trying to get the same high from a variety of different people. What people don't realize is, is that it actually leads to no community whatsoever. And so when I actually talk to, I mean, I talk to brand owners all day long, 99% of them are saying, yes, I want consistent people talking about my brand, sharing it with their audiences over and over again. I want community. People use this word. It's kind of a buzzword. And yet they're acting in a complete different way than what they're communicating, um, which is like that pay for post model, the transactional nature of which they're operating. When we say building community, not transactions, we're saying we want the brand and product to being the focus. And the reason why there's a partnership there, not because you pay them enough money. And we can break down exactly how you go about doing that, but it is the best way to start and scale an influence program is just by letting the product speak for itself, starting with giving first, how can I provide value to this influencer rather than just thinking all about yourself. So it's, it's really core because the main reason is influence marketing is much more human than every other channel, right? Like Google SEO, Facebook ads, email, like all these things are not necessarily human. Like, yes, you have human viewers at the end of it, but influencers, like you're dealing with a direct person. And a lot of times that gets lost um, in this transactional nature because they just view them as an object or they view them as their audience or their follower account, et cetera. I guess it's it's similar to what you did at Kalo in that the to expect all your influencers to fit into the same box mm-hmm. or the same and deliver exactly the same mechanics of things right. is crazy. And and by doing that, you're missing out on the opportunity. So it's, it's, it has to be seen from the beginning as how do we build a partnership, a relationship with these right, people? Right. And the, the reality is, Chloe, is like, 
at Kalo, we had so many different levels and tiers. We, you know, we had people that we just seeded product to. And of course, like that product costs two cents on the dollar to make. So we were afforded the opportunity to send a ton of product out. Not every brand has that. Not every brand has those kind of margins. I understand that. But the principle still remains like we had the opportunity to seed product to people. And that was kind of like a foundational level. And that's where we started with everyone. But then as people like rally around the product themselves and we got positive feedback or they posted for free or they just, hey, how can I get more product or they're interested in a partnership themselves? Like we took those relationships. Okay, let's have them post monthly or let's get them on a three to six month contract or and then we had like all the way up to your kind of what I would call a flag bearer, someone who puts a flag in the ground and says, I represent this company. We had flag bearers like Dale Earnhardt Jr., um, kind of like an American icon, like he was under a year contract. Well, all of that, all of those different tiers started with that foundational pyramid level of seeding. And by seeding, we literally mean sending free product to someone and praying that they mention you. <laughs> no, I wouldn't I wouldn't add that last part. I would say seeding is literally just sending out product for free. That is that. That last part is what people hope for, of course. Like that is like <laughs> something that is a bonus that comes along with it, but seeding as a basic definition is just sending out product for free. So Katie, we we see kind of a couple of big trends that I've seen in the influencer space. One is this the the need to build partnerships, not just transactional, like we've just been talking about. Right. Also around, you know, it not being about going after the Kardashian level influencers, but going after the micros and the nanos. Are those two of the biggest trends you're seeing in terms of ways to scale? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a variety of trends. I feel like within influencer marketing, there's always like this one trick pony that people are trying to paint themselves as, or like this is going to be the thing that scales your program. There's whitelisting and you know dark posting and uh, TikTok. If you're not doing TikTok, you're you know you're not scaling. Like, but with that said, like those are two big ones. There's obviously the community approach, but which I would say should be everyone's approach, and then with or macro or micros, like not just doing Kardashians or you only do nanos and micros. I would say that starting with at a smaller scale, how we define micro influencers between 5,000 and 150,000 followers. It's just a pool of people that we're picking from. We don't put a lot of stock in follower count, but I would recommend starting there. Um, and then as you see success within certain niches or interest groups, then you can possibly find a macro at a larger level within that same group. And so you can kind of work your way up, so to speak. But you you can do both and you can do all the above. It's just not, and it begins to be brand specific as well, you know, before we go go kind of deeper into into some other areas for growth, you mentioned two terms that I suspect not all of our audience are familiar with. So if I could ask you to explain those for us, the first one of which was white labeling in terms of influencer. Yeah, white listing essentially is at a very basic level is just you being able to have the ability to serve ads through the influencer's handle. I mean, all of your listeners have probably seen this as they scroll through Instagram. They've seen, let's use a UK influencer, David Beckham or someone, they've, <laughs> uh, David Beckham, you know, serving an ad for a watch brand, but it's like coming from David Beckham's handle specifically. So that's the only difference. 
as opposed to the watch brand's handle serving that in a picture of David Beckham. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And then dark posting? Dark posting is just what I mean. People use the same language for what I just said, a dark posting and whitelisting. They are a little different in the fact that dark posting is just, you're just boosting the influencer's post that they posted on their feed. So you're just using that. It's it's kind of like a very basic level of whitelisting. Whitelisting, you have more flexibility to serve ads into different audiences and create lookalikes and stuff like that. Essentially the same things. And it's about putting ad spend behind it and making the ad look like it's the influencer. Right, right. And there are different methods within it, but we'll just, we won't dive, dive deeper into that. Um, <laughs> okay, Cody. So what's the thing in influencer marketing at the moment that you find is working particularly well for brands who want to scale? Well, one of which I already mentioned organically, TikTok right now is just kind of like Instagram 2014, <laughs> if, if people remember <laughs> that. Instagram 2014, that's when I was first jumping into influence marketing. It was just kind of like you paid any influencer and you got thousands of sales. It was just kind of crazy. The problem with it is just people started to expect that every single time. And it will eventually be the same thing with TikTok. Who knows, just based on their algorithm being different. But I would say that's one that kind of jumps off my mind as far as like, I would invest in TikTok. I would invest in being on the platform yourself as a brand, but also working with influencers on the platform organically. It's like the best um, use of your spend uh, in terms of short form. I know I'm getting into kind of platforms, which I usually don't, but then also YouTube, like if you have the, if you have the money to spend, with long form content and whether doing pre-roll or mid-roll or, you know, product reviews on YouTube. Um, it's a great way to just have product reviews that lives for eternity, especially as Google SEO plays a part, which I'm not an expert in at all, but I just understand like the very basic level of, you know, searching this t-shirt company review. And if you're on that first page, like that just lives there forever. Um, as opposed to kind of like being based on the algorithm, and then what I would say is just starting and scaling in terms of building relationships is the best way to do that is through seeding. And that's getting your product out there. So if you've never done influence marketing before and you're looking to scale, there's a lot, obviously a lot of steps that are involved with that. But I would think about that a lot. Think about how much you can afford to send out product for free to influencers and in order to build relationships with them. Because all the bonuses that come along with seeding, and please cut me off because I can bore people to tears with this. But no, is, no, uh, I, I like I like the idea of talking about seeding because it's kind of like the entryway in, and it's one of those areas which occasionally you hear people saying, you know, sending products it's just not enough anymore. You've got to put your money where your mouth is. But yeah. you're running a lot of these campaigns, and you're saying actually no, there's still opportunity where seeding is. So I would love to explore this a little bit more. So so roll on with seeding. Okay, perfect. And just to be clear, I'm not anti-pay influencers or anti-contract influencers. I just think there's a proper way to starting the relationship. So I've compared it to dating a lot before in the past. Like if if you think about it like dating and I ask you out on a date, basically like sending you my product, but then I tell you to buy dinner, like asking for a post, <laughs> we might like enjoy our time, but the prospects of a second date are much more unlikely. And so like the rush of that date actually loses out to any other future opportunities potentially. And so 
I actually want organic buzz. I want UGC. I want paid ad campaigns. I want to work with people. Like I want organic posts going live. I'm just not asking for these as the basis of the relationship. So when we think about it from like a human perspective, it just doesn't make sense when we start out like from the jump. Hey, Chloe, we love your, we love your feed. Can you post about us three times? Like you've never heard of my brand before. You've never heard like this is your first impression. And I'm asking you to post three times, like just because I'm so great and my product's so great. It just doesn't make sense. And so with that thought in mind, we want to get them the product. And if people rally around the product and the brand, the thing is that brands want that to be the focus. They don't want money or, you know, a contract to be the focus and the reason why they're opting in. So all these things come down the line as the relationship starts the right way. Because like even with our programs and what we do on behalf of clients, we're asking for things pretty immediately, like within our the way that our program works we're asking for content rights to be able to repurpose within ad accounts like right away, but we're getting these things for free or we're getting these things for very low cost from the influencers themselves, just because we started the relationship and the outreach and we started it the right way. Um, Their first impression of the brand was awesome. And then when they got the unboxing, it was awesome again with a handwritten note. And so there's just, there's ways to go about it that if you start the right way, you're just going to set up for such much more long-term success but also short term too, like you, you can get a ton of free posts out of these influencers by just starting the relationship the right way. And there's ways that you can optimize through that. But I definitely want to get across like the long tail effect of the network of people that are actual users of your product is really critical. Like it's just a compounding value that you can build a, a brand on for a really long time. You know, word of mouth is contagious. There's hard ways to track that, but there's also no shortcuts to doing that the right way. You have to do it the right way. Um, And that's where seeding comes in. I love many things about what you've just said. I guess one of them is the fact you're calling it it seeding because we're trying to seed this organic growth and, and getting that working for us. I also, I say you make such a good case for setting out the free product. Because I guess if you're going to be building a relationship with someone and you're a product business, then sooner or later, you've got to send them the product, haven't you? I mean, so why wouldn't you start the relationship on that great space? Look, this is us. This is who we are. Do you like it? A hundred percent. I also compare it to the customer journey, right? Like you can't, you can't pay your customers to leave a review. That's actually illegal. But we think that's similar. We, if we think about it in a similar way with influencers, we're doing that same thing. We're paying them to post. And it's just, it's fake advocacy because the first time they get the product is actually when they actually have to post about it. And there's no actual interaction with the product. There's no organic, like love of the product where they, they post on their own or they just reach back out to you and say, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I love this. How can we work together? Like then, yeah, sure. Pay for them to post or like get them on a UGC contract or put them in your affiliate program. Like people are just so impatient. Like they just want that immediate ROI hit. And that's what I was saying earlier with like the word or like the uh, one-off drug. They're just constantly having to get that same high, but it's also constantly disappointing too, because it really just is not an inefficient model. But yeah, comparing it to your customer journey, is just, it doesn't make sense. No. And it, and it, the other thing I, I particularly like from what you're saying about was, and I think this is something which a lot of people, when they get started with influencer marketing, when they're thinking about it, they neglect is the fact you can also use it as a way to get user-generated content 
that you use. It's not just about sales. It's also about having high quality content you didn't have to create yourself that's going to resonate with your customer base. Mm-hmm. So do you, is, is that a key part of every campaign you run? I'm so glad you brought that up because it is a massive, massive part of the way that we service clients. Um, it, it actually, what it leads to, like for us as an agency, obviously when you work with agencies, like you can work at scale much quicker there's a huge advantage of working with an agency. Like we can reach out to a 500 influencers over a course of a month. That might take a brand internally a year <laughs> just to even identify them. Um, so like the speed of which we can work, but when we are reaching out to 500 influencers, we're getting 60, 90 pieces of UGC on a month, month basis for the brand for them to repurpose within their ad account or any other place. So we talk about post iOS 14, like, this is a world where creative is 10 times more important. It was important. Now it's even more important, especially when you're talking UGC and just these are humans that are, these platforms are human to human platforms. You know, they're created for you to interact with your friends. And so that's what makes UGC powerful. So well put. Thank you, Cody. Um, We're going to pause now for a reminder of our sponsors, and then we're going to be talking about the wider world of influencer marketing. Ready to turn your small e-commerce business into the next big thing? Klaviyo can help. It's the easy to use email and SMS platform that gives you everything you need to build genuine relationships with your customers. And even if you're new to marketing, Klaviyo can help you become an email expert with drag and drop design templates, simple insights and made for e-commerce reports and recommendations. Give it a try today with a free account at klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Cody, so far we've gone deep into ways to scale our influencer marketing. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of influencer marketing. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with influencer marketing, which of course does include everything we've already been talking about. So Cody, are you ready for these? I am ready. Okay, let's start with influencer marketing newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? Well, in addition to seeding, which I've definitely been harping on throughout our time (laughs) together, um, I would say identifying the right influencers is a great first step. And it's got us, you actually need to start the right way um, with identifying the right influencers. So uh, there's a couple of ways to do that on a few different free platforms, such as Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. TikTok, there's the creator marketplace that you can apply as an advertiser if you're a brand. Facebook has Brands Collabs Manager. It pulls in Facebook and Instagram influencers. And then Instagram itself has an Instagram dropdown arrow um, on each platform that it's all based on algorithm-picked influencers for you. I used to just spend hours on Instagram itself finding new influencers based on kind of a... If you have a uh, an influencer in mind that you go to their profile, it's going to feed you a, a bunch of similar influencers. So that's just one piece of identification, but I'll just stop there. Those are three free platforms that you can use to identify the right influencers. Those other two, as far as Facebook brand collabs manager and creator marketplace, it's going to give you like quantitative data um, that you can play with different filters and stuff like that. Nice. Okay. Once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve influencer marketing performance? 
Favorite way to improve influencer marketing performance is I would within, this is kind of nitty gritty, but within um, your Facebook ad account, once you have UGC from influencers, the best way that you can optimize performance is, is what's called a dynamic creative test. And that is at the campaign level and you're running a dynamic creative test with all the influencer content that you do receive. With a dynamic creative test, you can run 10 ads within that one DCT. And it basically tells Facebook to put the right content to convert the most customers in front of. And you can really see in a very fast and quick way what the best type of content is performing, who is working best. So if you get UGC and you can get rights to the content to use within your Facebook dashboard, this is a really efficient model to where you can start seeing what content is performing best and who is working best. I love it. So the person who's given you the content that created your best performing ad, you can send more product to and the rest you don't need to. 100%. I like it. Get Facebook to do the legwork for you. Okay. Uh, If someone listening wants to learn more about influencer marketing, is there one cheap or free resource you would recommend? Uh, well, a shameless plug here is we have a sh- we have a Shopify app that actually helps you seed product to influencers in a really fast, efficient way. It syncs to your store. It's a way to get the product. Like basically, influence marketing takes a ton of time. You don't want getting them the product to take a, t- a lot of time. And our app is on the App Store. You can reach out to me if you wanted a, a custom offer or anything like that. But the other free resources is what I actually mentioned in terms of identifying influencers um, that. Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And yeah, anything you can do to streamline the processes in influencer marketing, because one of the, the biggest costs is obviously going to be the time with all of this. Right. Okay. Right, Cody. Finally, it is crystal ball time. What is coming up in the next, say, six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for in influencer marketing? Follower count disappearing. <laughs> okay. Explain. Uh, yeah. This is kind of a hot take and more so prediction, like your question suggests. But the ways that I see influencers and the platforms going is much more in a good way, focus around the content itself. Even with Instagram testing, hiding likes, they might be testing follower count disappearing as well. And I can see that being something that actually is a permanent removal with even just some of the unfortunate things that have happened on the platforms like bullying or anything like that, just a vanity metric that can get removed. And the focus always should be on the content itself that the influencer is producing or just anybody. But now with follower count disappearing, that would be the case. So I think it would be a great benefit uh, and it would save people a lot of money before they get um, so consumed by, oh, wow, this person has 200,000 followers. I must work with them even though everything else about them is not a fit. But yeah, so that would be my crystal ball prediction. I love it. Excellent. Not heard that one before. So um, Cody, thank you so much for all the insight you've given us. We are very nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let listeners know where they can find you and your business if they want to get in touch? Yeah, where you can find me is on Twitter at Cody underscore Wittick or on Instagram at Cody Wittick. That's where I'm putting out a lot of content these days. And if you find me there, you can therefore connect with my agency. Our agency is kinship.co. You can also book a call with me or my co-founder there as well. 
Cool. And we should say kinship is spelt K-Y-N-S-H-I-P. So K-Y-N-S-H-I-P dot co to find out everything they're up to. Cody, thank you so much for being on the show. Like I said, you have given us a lot to think about. And um, for me, me busted a couple of myths of what's going on in the influencer space as well. So thank you so much for coming on. It's been it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much, Chloe. So lots of really cool tips around how to scale and grow your influencer marketing advice there. I think a couple of the things which came through really clearly for me is that you can't just think of this as we're going to get an influencer and they're directly going to drive us a load of sales. It was really clear to me from talking to Cody that two other elements are hugely important here. One is, I guess, at the beginning the organic and the UGC content that you create that then leads to content you can use in your own advertising and across your own marketing. And then at the far, far, far end, getting into those white listings or dark posts where you are creating such a level of partnership with the the influencers you're working with that you are putting ad spend behind their directly behind their content on their platform. Lots to think about in that one. Um, You can get the links to everything we discussed, the full transcript of the episode, important notes, and more at keepoptimizing.com. There you can also sign up to our monthly Q&A webinar. Because as part of my mission to help you improve your marketing, I've invited all our influencer marketing specialists to join us for a live Q&A session at the end of the month. That is your chance to get your questions answered. To sign up, go to keepoptimizing.com and click on the link to the webinar. And if it's already gone past, you can catch the replay um, via the website as well. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. Do stay tuned for the rest of the month where we'll be exploring three more ways to drive your growth with influencer marketing. So if you know someone who's particularly interested in influencers at the moment, please do let them know we're covering it this month as this show exists to help you and them improve their marketing. Have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.